Well, I don't really need to preach this morning because Jenny Harris, in a most amazing way, got up and summed up my message in all of two minutes. I, Jenny, I need to learn to do... Are you running classes on that? I, I need to come. But when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, the wonderful soup that's out in the cafe won't be ready yet, so we might as well fill in a bit of time. I can have some practice, and uh, you might pick up a couple of things that Jenny missed. But before we start... Who knows what is special about today, other than all of us being together and worshipping our wonderful God. Uh, what is special? Does anybody know? What, is there something special? Now, somebody's got their hand up. It's Pentecost Sunday. Thank you, uh, Jenny. Well done. It is Pentecost Sunday. Now, who can tell us what does that mean? Why is Pentecost Sunday significant? About the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, well done, Alan, you're great. Okay, however, and I forgot to bring it this morning, I have a crunchy bar, which are horrible things and bad for your teeth, but I will bring a crunchy bar. I think the reason why we like to give crunchy bars out because they're in a nice gold wrapper as a prize. I will bring a crunchy bar next week, I promise. If somebody can tell me what else is significant about this Sunday on the Christian calendar. Now, it's a bit of a hard one because we think of Pentecost Sunday only, but it's more relevant, or sorry, it's more widely celebrated by the Jewish community. Uh, well, you, you can make that, but you're going to have to define what that means. Why do the Jewish community celebrate today or celebrate Pentecost Sunday? Because unless they're Messianic Jews, they don't celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. Why do they do that? Well, I'm going to have to eat that horrible crunchy bar myself. It's all right. They celebrate today, Pentecost Sunday, of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai to Moses. So they use today to celebrate the giving of the Lord to Mount Sinai to Moses. Now, obviously, that needs to be incorporated into the celebration of the Holy Spirit coming because he came particularly to bring life and revelation to insight to that law. So there's a little bit of information for you, and um, I'm sure I'll find someone else to eat the crunchy bar. So let's get into the message. As Jenny has said, we're going to be talking about inheritance. So we're continuing with the um, with the, the book of Ephesians, which we're going to be doing for an indefinite period of time. And just again, as we get into this, I want to remind you uh, so clearly about Paul's letters, how Paul begins in the book of Ephesians and most of his writings, actually, by first laying out the doctrinal side of things. First laying out who we are in Christ and then what we should do. So the book of Ephesians has a wonderful split. It does three chapters on who we are and then it has three chapters on what we should be doing about that. So I'm still working in chapter one this morning and I am going to be reading to you from verses 11 to 14. But before I do, one of the key verses in Ephesians reminds us that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places have already, past tense, been given to us, been made available to us in Christ Jesus. 
apart from his glorious return, there's nothing left to be brought to us that we don't have available to us today in Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's important that we understand that. So let's go to the text. Uh, Ephesians 1, 11 to 14 says, We have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. To the end that we who were first, the first to hope in Christ, would be to the praise of his glory. Tremendous verse right there. We are the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that's primary what I'm going to be talking about next week how we have been sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. Often in this day and age, when we think about inheritance, we think about money, that somebody passes an inheritance on to somebody, we think about finance. Going back 150 years and all the way back further, normally when we talk about inheritance, we would be talking about land. Maybe it might be a castle, it might be uh, a whole parcel of land, a farm, or whatever that is. But to do justice to what the term inheritance is, we have to start from Genesis 12, 1 to 3. I am not going there this morning because I have taught extensively on this here. Uh, You can probably get it off the website. But it's about the point when God calls Abraham and he says to Abraham, from you and your seed, I am going to make a great nation. So the biblical story that predominantly starts there. And I have always said, you've heard me say it before, the day of Pentecost, in my opinion, started in Genesis 12. But predominantly starts there by God saying to Abraham, I am going to make this story, which extends right through to Revelation 22, about God. And this is what the Bible is. It is a story about God, his people, and the land. So it's about those three things, and that unfolds as we explore the scriptures. So God promises Abraham that he's going to take him into the promised land. So doing a huge jump now all the way into the new covenant, and we've missed out a world of stuff that uh, you can get if you want to work hard enough for it. We come in to the new covenant and we see that God has placed everything he promised Abraham he's made it available to us in Christ now contrary to the view of a lot of mainstream Christianity heaven is not our inheritance there is nowhere in the scriptures that says Heaven is our inheritance. Our inheritance, and Paul makes this plain, our inheritance is right here on this earth. Now, ultimately, which is exciting, heaven is coming to earth. We are not going to heaven. Heaven is coming to earth. So what God has his people to be about 
is planet Earth. Our focus is about planet Earth. Do we have eternal life? Yes. Where is that going to be set up ultimately? Right here on this Earth. So we do not have the right to divorce ourselves from this planet. This is the central focus of what God wants his people to be about. Now, I am going to move into this, and I'm going to be looking at it more in a spiritual nature. So I just want to say this. If you want to measure how well you're doing about laying hold of the inheritance that God has to you, for you, go to the website, and you will find my notes up there on a message I did some time ago about wealth and what true wealth is. And it lists all the points of what true wealth is. That is our inheritance. So you can go and find that and spend some time. I encourage you to do that. So I'm just going to look this morning at the spiritual base of it. So we'll start with John chapter 1, 12 and 13. And it says, boy, I love the scripture, this passage. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who, were, who believe in his name, who were born, listen to this, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, our spiritual inheritance starts by understanding, brothers and sisters, that you and I are the sons of daughters of the living God. And when he talks about our DNA, he says, before you're born of blood, and before you're born of the flesh, and before you are the generations of your, your parents and your grandparents, you are now children of the living God, and your DNA is more like God than it is like your blood DNA that you've inherited through your natural birth. Now, there's some wonderful things that come down to us from our parents and grandparents. But there's also some negative things. And God is saying we don't have to be trapped any longer by those negative things because we are now firstly the children of the living God and those ties can be broken in Jesus' name. And we can be set free from things that may have plagued our family back through generations. And next week we're going to give you an opportunity to, to do that. Now, I haven't spoken to anybody about that yet, but I have it to God, so he knows. <laughs> See, our spiritual inheritance begins by understanding that we are truly sons and daughters of the living God. And as a result, there is a deep and wonderful relationship between us and God. And although there's still a big gap between us and him, we become more like him and less like our fallen self every day if we continue to walk with him and relate to him and turn our heart to him. See, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to transform us, to conform us, to be more like his image every day. So we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another on a daily basis. Amen? That's the Holy Spirit's job, and he's very good at it. He does it well. 
We just have to get on board with him as he takes us through that journey. McLaren's commentary says this, My faith corresponds to his faithfulness and truth. My obedience corresponds to his authority. My weakness lays hold of his strength. My emptiness is replenished by his fullness. See, when God makes us one with him, we are no longer just communing with him. We are becoming like him. Isn't that amazing? That is incredible. It actually means, if you can grasp this, it actually means we don't receive an inheritance. We actually become one. There's a whole message in itself. We don't receive an inheritance. We actually become one. How so? The planet Earth receives its inheritance in the form of you and me. Do you realize we are the inheritance to this planet? What did Jesus say to us? He says that now we are the light of the world. That now we are the salt of the earth. Everything that preserves this created order is in you and I in Christ. Everything. We have a huge responsibility for this planet. But don't allow the burden to become overwhelming for you because we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to achieve it. But the burden does need to come down upon us, brothers and sisters. We do need to understand that we are the caretakers of this planet, that we are the stewards of God's inheritance on this planet, that we have something to bring this planet that it desperately needs. We're not standing here looking at the world in its fallen state and saying everything is evil and we're going to get out of here. Jesus is taking us off this world and then it's going to get its just desserts. I hate that attitude. Jesus made the statement clearly. He did not come here to condemn the earth. What did he come here to do? Save it. He didn't come here to condemn it. Stop condemning the planet. It's our inheritance. We're meant to be redeeming it. That's why Paul says in Romans 8, the whole of the created order cries out, waiting for the sons and daughters of the living God to rise up and redeem this planet from its fallen state. We're not getting off here. We have a mission to do this. And that's why Paul is saying in Ephesians 1.18, he's crying out, I wish your heart would be enlightened to see who you are in Christ and the mission he has called you to, which he talks about in Ephesians 3.10-12. That God is going to reveal to the principalities and powers his manifold wisdom on this earth through his people, the church. It can't get any plainer than that. 
Listen to the statement from Craig Hill. I believe that the greatest desire of Satan, who hates God, is to be able to shake his finger in God's face at the end of your life and declare to God, ha ha, you received no inheritance in that saint. He was here on earth for 90 years, but never fulfilled any of the purpose for which you placed him here. I don't want that said about me. I don't want Satan to be laughing in God's face and saying, look at Bruce Billington. I've been on this earth 62 years so far. He has been on this earth for 62 years and he has fulfilled nothing of what you intended him to do on this planet or for this planet. In the course of any year, I spend hours meeting and talking with people all over the world. The more I do this, the more I am convinced that the key reason why we do not lay hold of our inheritance is because we are not at a place of peace within ourselves and we are not comfortable in our own skin. See, in Hebrews 4.10 it says, For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. See, to get to this place of rest, despite all what's going on and despite what God's called us to do, we have to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to clean up the issues in our life and move us into the fullness of who he intended us to be. God's love and commitment is not dependent upon our performance. It's dependent upon our heart response to him. And we cannot begin to love others if we don't first love God and then love ourselves. We have to come to a place that is comfortable in our own skin. And it's not just about cleaning up sin. It's about taking us from one degree of glory to another. I've said this before. I'll say it again. Jesus is not taking you from a bad place to a good place. He declared this morning that you have been washed clean by his blood and you are good. He's taken you from something good to something better. Not from bad to good, but from one degree of glory, the degree of glory where you are right now, to another degree of glory every day. So we can stand up and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, today I am the image of the living God to whatever degree the Holy Spirit has been able to get me here today, and that's great. I want to be different tomorrow, but today that's great. That's sufficient to do God's purposes. And if there are things I need to deal with, Jesus is not intimidated by that. Listen to this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captors and freedom to the prisoners. He's not intimidated by what we think is holding us back. He says, come to me and you'll get free. The problem is we either don't allow him to do that, or if he does, we lose it. We lose the ground that we took because we don't make him the focal point of our whole being. See, we had, I get into trouble for saying these things, but 
I've got broad shoulders. We had a, a soaking service uh, last Sunday. Who really enjoyed that? I loved that time. Who really enjoyed that? Wonderful. See, but I watched the worship team and others working hard to get us to respond. See, I'm longing for us to get back to the place where our worship lifts the roof off this building, or better still, calls the heavens down. There's certainly a place to be quiet before the Lord, but there are also times to come together and say more than a quiet hello to Jesus. We need to stir up our spirit and get into faith and get into worship and get into abandonment if we truly want to get free. I have, I'm just talking to the guys here, you women, if it works for you, you take it as well. But I've watched some of you guys at a rugby match. I didn't get here last night, some of you did. You're off your seat in the first three or four minutes yelling and shouting and punching the air. I want to see us do that before the Lord and worship together. I love the haka. I want to see Christian men coming forward and doing the haka, meaning it and proclaiming what the haka proclaims. I long to see that. Many years ago, some of you are too young to remember, the young people were not here this morning, but many years ago, Derek Prince came and spoke at one of our meetings and it was in the um, Civic Centre in the town hall and he got up and this is what he said I love this place it reminds me of my home church the minute the music started all the young people poured down the front and started to dance and praise and worship God I wanted to call the young people they're not here this morning come back and do that again please it inspires us some of us oldies may try and join you but don't worry about us Just come down the front and do it. It inspires us. I want to get back there. I spoke at a meeting uh, on Friday night about Gideon and about God's statement to him where he walks in and he says, Hi, O valiant warrior. And Gideon is in hiding. They're under siege. And he's trying to, he's converted a wine press and he's trying to get the wheat out of the grain, probably to hide it and take it away. And he had every right to look around behind him and say, who are you talking to? But see, here's the point. God doesn't call us up on the basis of who we are. He calls us up on the basis of two things. Number one, who he is. And number two, our potential. What he knows we can achieve. See, here is a question. Let me go with this. How many of you believe that God is in control? How many of you believe God is in control? Well, we'd have plenty of reason to worry if he isn't. But I've got some bad news for some people, probably no one here. God has chosen on planet Earth to limit his control, and greatly restrain it. Why? Because he has chosen to produce most or much of his work through us, the church. And he won't usurp that. 
See, this work's only going to be accomplished if we cooperate him through prayer, with him through prayer and intercession and obedience to the Lord and obedience to his word. But he has limited his authority on this earth because he has delegated much of it to us in Christ. It's a huge risk, and it's one Satan laughs about. Satan says, you'll never get this thing over the finish line because you've put the power to achieve it in your people. And you're never going to do it. And God in Ephesians 3 and all the way in Revelation 17 and many others says, you watch, I will. Finally, a generation of people are going to rise up and see who they are in Christ and they're going to take this thing across the finish line and at that point, Jesus Christ himself will return. That's what it takes. Does that say we, we, we build a perfect planet? Absolutely not. Matthew 13 says the wheat and the tears rise up together. There is always going to be sin, and there's always going to be the glory of God. But God is longing for a people who will stand up, see who they are in Christ, and say, we're going out into this world to make a difference, and the gates of hell are going to have to be built to keep us out because we are moving forward and they will never be powerful enough to stop us. And brothers and sisters, that is you and me. We were equipped 2,000 years ago to do this. I may have lost some of you. So here we go. Matthew sixteen nineteen. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. John fourteen twelve. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Oh my gosh. He goes to the Father. Who does the work? Us. Even greater works than he did. Caring for the planet, standing in the gap. Ezekiel 22 verse 30. I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. There's the cry of the prophet. Where are the people that care about this planet and are prepared to stand in the gap? It's not just about prayer and intercession, but that is important. Isaiah fifty nine sixteen, And he saw that there was no man and was astonished. This is God. Astonished that there was no one to intercede. See, I could go all morning, but I've made my point. When Jesus left the earth, the assignment of destroying the works of the devil on this earth was passed on to us. It's our responsibility, not God's. He's done what he needed to do. It's been given and delegated to us. What is Satan's role that he tries to play in this? According to John 10, he is the thief that attempts to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. We don't have to live in fear of that. See, in reality, Satan wants to make us poor. He wants us to think 
that all of this is just pie in the sky and you die. Do you know what would bring a revival to the church today? If we woke up one day and saw what it is God has empowered us to do on this planet and began to proclaim it. I was sitting in the gym doing a workout with a guy many years ago and we were working out together and he was saying to me, well, what is this Christian thing? Why do you go to church? Why do you waste your time? And I said, well, firstly, I don't go to church. I am the church. And so you can struggle with that as much as you like. But there's the first point. Secondly, I'm on a mission. And he says, really? And I said, the mission is so big that I have to get with my brothers and sisters in Christ to be, to be able to even begin to achieve it. It's so big. And he said, what is this mission? So I sat down and started to talk about how violent men are called to take the kingdom of God on this earth and what they do. And we talked to an hour, a bit of a bad workout time that time. And in the end, he said to me, I'm signing up for this thing. I've never been so excited in my life. And he did. See, we are calling people to the wrong thing because the world's concerned about the planet and we as Christians are saying, forget about it. We're all getting out of here. And they're saying, well, that's no good for me because I care about what's going on this earth. I love this earth. I don't want to see it continue to deteriorate. And they're doing a great job. But they lack the people and the power of the Holy Spirit because we're waiting to get lifted off. Oz Hillman talks about three great lies that Satan's always trying to sow. Number one that we are powerless over our circumstances. That's a lie. Number two, that we are just a victim of an unjust God. He's not performing and bringing us what we want and need. Number three, he left us alone to suffer or he leaves us alone when we do suffer. I want to add one more. The false belief that the kingdom of God is for a future age and our only role on earth today is to get people saved. Never in biblical history has salvation meant or intended to be an end. It's a beginning. It's our calling to resume the job of the Genesis mandate which is that of creating culture. Do you realize, brothers and sisters, our culture that we create is not meant to be just in here. We're meant to be creating a culture on the whole of this planet and every arena of life. See, if Satan can get us on board with these lies, the fire of God just goes out of us. We lose heart, as so many people who have been on this journey and started it with us already have. See, the comment I hear over and over again is God isn't meeting my needs. Well, that's what Adam and Eve said. Satan sold them the lie that God wasn't giving them what they needed. So they took it into their own hands. Now listen to this. I am not a counselor. But I want to suggest to you that the root cause of alcoholism 
drug addiction, adultery, pornography, and on the list goes, is the root cause of that is that we have sought to meet our own needs. And as a result of that, we form habits that trap us and lead us into bondage. Addictions are rooted in the need to be loved and comforted and often are fed by the view that God is failing us in this regard, so we will do it ourselves. Here's the component that is missing in this. Because God does want to meet our needs, and God tells us to bring our cares and our concerns and all those other things to him. But we don't have a component or a theology of suffering in the kingdom of God. It is not the only message. It is not even most of the message. But it was Jesus who made the statement as if you are not prepared to accept my sufferings, nor can you have my blessings, nor can you have the fullness of life. So one of the things we need in our wealth portfolio is a theology for suffering in this life on earth in Christ. Because almost everybody I know in this room has been through some degree of suffering. So much for the prosperity gospel that tries to tell you all it's because you didn't have enough faith so you're a sinner. That is a disgusting statement to make to Christian believers who may not have been healed, who may have lost loved ones, who may be still struggling with some issues in their life or whatever else. It's a disgusting statement and it defies almost every page of Scripture. See, this life primarily is about focusing on God, not ourselves. It's about seeking first the kingdom of God, then all else gets given to us. But even if we focus on seeking the kingdom of God to get what's given to us, we've still got it wrong. It's about focusing on the kingdom of God, full stop. It's about who God is, full stop. All the other stuff, and there's some wonderful promises come, but that's not meant to be our focus. I love it when the worship has an emphasis on who God is rather than what he's going to do for for me. Now, I'm not saying there's not a place for that, but I love to come here and get out of myself for a while and focus on who he is. That does me a lot of good here on Sunday mornings. I'm going to finish. See, once we see who we are in Christ... And what is available to us right now, we then beginning, we begin to seek, well, what should I do with it? Talked about this before, about the baptism and the Holy Spirit, which I love, by the way. And I, I signed up to it for as early in my Christian life as I could. And I still pray in tongues every day. I do. I love all that thing. But see, one thing I've talked about, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if we don't use it to empower a mission and a mandate and a call on our life that God's given us, we're like a big V8 engine put in a car that's jacked up with all its wheels off and we're just going, but it ain't going nowhere. And we've done too much of that. 
We need to put it in the car, get its wheels on and say, here's where I'm going and this is the power that's going to take me there and bring glory to the name of Jesus everywhere I go and in everything I do. As God's people, we need to move out of Egypt, which is about bondage and entrapment, into the promised land. What is the promised land? Sorry, guys, it ain't heaven. Paul is not talking about heaven here. The inheritance he has in mind is the world, the created order, the cosmos. And how we can repair its fallen state by applying God's love, God's hope, and God's power to all its systems. Jesus has no interest in leaving the earth to rot while calling his church off it. We are here until the end. Now, the end might be when our natural life comes to end, but we as his church are here until the end. Although sin will always be here when the Lord returns, so will the glory of God in an ever-increasing state. And God's desire is to flood the whole earth with his presence. And we are meant to be the signs that this glorious future is on the way in the here and now. So next week, we are going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does and produces in us around this. Next week also, if you've been struggling, if you have been robbed of your inheritance, if you have demonic bondages in your life that are holding you back, if you have every issue where you have seen you haven't risen up and put your hand up and said to God, sign me up for this, next week we're going to get the leaders down the front and we're going to give you an opportunity to come and have those things prayed for. So stir your heart this week. Pray fast if you need to. Seek the Lord. Because we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit to call us up into the work God has given us here on this planet. And if there is things in the way for that for you, you be here next week. And you be prepared to come before the Lord and allow him to break those things off you. Father, we just thank you for your calling in this life. Lord, we repent to whatever degree we have already vacated this earth and said it has nothing to do with us. We want our, the eyes of our heart to be enlightened, to see what is the hope of the calling and inheritance that you have placed in the saints right here, right now. Father, we want to sign up for your calling. And we want, when we stand before God at the end of the day, we want the devil to hang his head and say it was he that who failed, that despite his best efforts, we achieved the purposes of God in our lifetime. We seek you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.